Welcome to How I Raised It, the podcast that goes behind the scenes with entrepreneurs who've raised capital. We uncover the tips, tricks, and techniques they use to get investors to write a check. Strap in and turn it up. Hi, welcome to another episode of How I Raised It, produced by Foundersuite.com. Today I have Flavia Tata Nardini of Fleet coming to us from Adelaide, Australia. How's your day going? Very good. Thank you for having me. Uh, well, thanks for, for tuning in here. Now, you don't sound Australian. We had a little chat before the call. Where are you from originally? I'm Italian. Yeah, a little bit further down in Europe. <laughs> yep, for that. Awesome. So what does Fleet do? So Fleet is a space IoT startup. Um, we co-founded it four years ago with this big vision of building a constellation of small satellites in low Earth orbit to kind of give a digital internet nervous system from space to kind of support industrial IoT. So big industries like uh, energy mining, oil and gas, deploying devices in the field, they need satellite solutions. So it's, um, yeah, we are launching 100 of the small satellites in the years to come. So, yeah. A hundred small satellites. Correct. Yeah. Interesting. And so give me one or two kind of good customer scenarios like uh, shipping or mining, you know, what are these yeah. guys doing? How is it actually being used? Yeah. So when you think about industrial um, settings, so mining on oil and gas, and I give you a couple of customers' experiences, most of their, so this is our customers with a lot of sites around the world uh, that have remote uh, application and remote operations, then most of the time is not automated for the lack of connectivity. So I'm a big fan that connectivity kind of propel every new digital transformations, right? So non, non satellites play a big role in their operation. The problem is satellites are expensive. They're, they've been expensive. And I'm, I'm a space engineer, so I know this is why I started Fleet. Um, so a couple of examples are we work with the biggest um, hydroelectric um, uh, kind of you know, big dams and kilometers of pipes where people usually go there and check uh, leakages with their hands. There's a lot of heavy mainly maintenance uh, because of lack of connectivity and then suddenly you can put thousands of valves or monitoring system to do everything automated and IoT kind of gives that extra equipment ability or if you think about mining they really have lack of services in exploration so before production or in tailing dams and all sorts of activities like that and energy is big so it's all sort of farms in is wind farms or even distribution grids where there is no connectivity where you know 3g or lt or complex stuff would cost millions of dollars but now there are sensors that use amazing new technologies terrestrial and space so you can deploy very um, efficient sensors all over the place and do a lot of analytics and get the data you have so you automate all your remote operations so it's you know industry 5.0 so it's cool Mm, it's it's pretty heady stuff and very exciting. I, I I get it. I think mostly you're so you're not on the IoT side at all. You're basically just doing the satellites, and then are you? No, partnering? we are also on the IoT side, so we do both. Okay. So we are launching mainly. Actually, we are 
just probably just on the IoT side, so Fleet uh, uh, is mainly a software company. So we got a massive software stack from from uh, uh, you know what what people put in in a field. They put a modem in a field that allows them to cover 700 square kilometers of area and connect thousands of sensors. And we do a lot of you know machine learning in the field and then funnel all the software stack up to a, a, um, a kind of cloud system called Nebula. So our mm-hmm. customers subscribe. So the satellites are in the middle. So we kind of manage a constellation, mm-hmm. mainly funneling data. So that's what we do. Very interesting. And so your customers are all big industrial. Are you selling, yeah. is it all kind of, uh, constellation as a service. <laughs> yeah, that's up, exactly yeah. right. That's exactly right. It's like having racks of you know Amazon, but in space. So it's constellation as a service. Yeah, it's connectivity as a service, and mainly they they pay they pay subscription of um, of their software and that does a lot of edge computing. So it's kind of creating smartness behind uh, connectivity. So connectivity becomes smart and an ability to, you know, to analyze things. And yes, yeah, a constellation as a service. Yeah, no, it's, it's cool. Um, it's really, I remember, I'm old enough to remember when like Iridium launched. Do you remember yeah. Iridium a long, I mean, this is a long time ago, 20 plus years ago, but it was, and there was another one too, a competitor whose name I can't remember, but. Opcom, Emersat. So we, yeah, we have used a lot of them. And this is a billion dollars constellations that are very much dedicated to heavy data. So a lot of bandwidth and bigger satellites. Now, one of our satellites costs probably less than a million dollars. So you can deploy an entire constellation of a fraction of the time and you cover all Earth with one satellite. Uh, so nanosatellite constellation are awesome and you know american companies have raised millions and millions of dollars to do with them earth observations so photos mm-hmm. and we decided to build them for comms so you know communication of data uh, data at the end of the day is the new oil of this society <laughs> Mm-hmm. So we manage data. We manage data streams to make sure that people connect a lot of things out to make their operations. So um, Iridium and all the other guys have got billion-dollar satellites up there. Uh, but this is a proliferation of sensors. It's like they're talking about billion of sensors that are going to come online, if not more. So we kind of need an, a different solution. So yeah. you don't want to fund all the data. You want to use machine learning analytics and so forth to understand what data is needed. So we're kind of building this connectivity to be very smart. So it's pretty cool. It is cool. So how did you, uh, what's the backstory? What's the Genesis story? How did you go from, uh, what were you doing before and how did you come up with this idea? So we, I was, uh, of course, I'm a European. I was working European Space Agency, a company in Europe on these small satellites, nano satellites, and I love them. It was the beginning of, of their usage and they they started to be used a lot for, from universities to have access to space but then planet and spy raised million of dollars commercially in the valley to use them for earth observation so i thought oh wow these nanosatellites are becoming a thing um i was actually using them for missions that were pretty like moon and mars mission deep space very scientific ones then i met my my husband and i moved to australia and there were not many space startups in australia at that time like none 
uh, I couldn't find a job. So uh, I didn't want to give up what I was doing and my knowledge. So I, I met Matt Pearson. We co-founded a startup before Fleet. And uh, that was actually launching these uh, very small satellites with schools. And so we made kind of bootstrap that company. We launched many or many of those little things. They were all 3D printed. Then we entered in, we kind of understood that connectivity was, was an issue. And Australia is a huge country, you know, right? where the, the, the energy and mining industry are so big and the biggest companies are there. And we kind of understood why there is a need for this. And then we, we found a fleet uh, four years ago. And yeah, we're still alive. So okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I love, I love the crazy startups that come out of Australia. We had another one on this show maybe a year ago that was using drones to map caves for mining, you know, just like yeah. crazy yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. It's, it's yeah, wonderful. I know them. Bear in mind that mining operations, it's a, it's a hell of a work. And, you know, and so, you know, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of all these uh, changes and environmental, you know, uh, challenges. And, and mining needs to supply copper and lithium for our, you know, electric cars and solar panels. And they're struggling because it's massive operations, large scale, without connectivity. And we all know that we, don't, we, we just can't operate without connectivity, right? It's hard work. Yeah. So Australians companies are awesome to do these remote <laughs> operations. And the problems are the same in US and Canada and South America, the gigantic, you know, operations in the middle of nowhere. So yeah, Australia is good at that. So a couple more questions and we'll talk about fundraising, but how, how many satellites do you have up and how do you actually launch them? Are you partnering with with what? Private firms or with, with what? See, you, yeah. So what do you do is, of course, these are small satellites, but still they have to be launched by a rocket. Uh, they do what is called piggyback. So they go on board of a mission with a bigger rocket, with a bigger satellite, and uh, we go up in space. We have launched, so we launched them four last year. We are launching uh, other, few others, many next year, with the idea to get to a point in which we feel comfortable to mass produce. When you start mass producing, you can launch 20 at a time. Okay. It's pretty pretty interesting exercise. Um, we launched them. So we use a broker, uh, and we launched last year with SpaceX, uh, okay. with uh, yeah, Indian launcher PSLV, and a new rocket called Rocket Lab. A very big story of a New Zealand company uh, that built this rocket just for nano satellites, like kind of an Uber in space. They launch every month, um, and I think Peter Beck is the CEO. Raised, I don't know. 400 million I don't even know how much he raised but the idea is that because these small satellites they have you know it's just like literally launching an iPhone in space they they last three to five years probably just lighting more than your iPhone and you want to replace them if something breaks you replace them so you want to make sure that you've got a rocket that puts you up every month uh, so they have built this rocket for nano satellites so just be smaller than SpaceX yeah but yeah so we go up with, with a rocket that's amazing. And, and so these will go up last three or three or four years and then they just enter, they kind of burn out in the atmosphere or what happens? Yeah, correct. Correct. And that is actually pretty cool because it's really good for sustainability in space. Uh, usually big satellites, historically, they were supposed to go to, they were supposed to, they were used to go to geostationary. It's a very big orbit. And at the end of their life, they stay there for 50 years. So that's, that's funny because we keep using technology of 50 years ago. 
but at the end of their lifetime, they they just are the breed, you know. Yeah. But but now electronic is smaller, so you can build a smaller spacecraft. You have a storm of bees, and uh, and it's, you can do better NDPs in space, you know technology and then you send it then you improve it then you send it then you improve it and, and you go like that that's cool are they just battery powered or are they somehow using solar solar they power? got solar and batteries yeah and batteries is the reason why they don't last uh, very long the system could be there for many years you don't really want it to be there for many years you want updated technologies but batteries usually they die after a while still a lot of advancement in batteries around the world is needed eh? yeah interesting I don't know if you want to share any like pricing, but if I had a fleet of uh, remote vehicles in the outback, <laughs> what's it going to cost you to get them all wired? So what a, yeah, no, that's a good question. You know, um, interestingly enough, you know, when I started uh, fleet, I was used to to not even go to a fleet of cars, but just a simple sensor, right? A sensor that is able to be put on, a, on an engine to measure vibration are really important for predictive maintenance and i was used to, to connect it to one of the legacy satellites like an iridium and an emersat and these sensors they really send like i don't know 500 kilobytes a month or tiny yeah so it's not skype and it was used to cost me like 5k a month yeah you know and i'm like then, then i understood why people actually don't do that because it's not worth it. It costs, it costs more than the truck itself during the year, right? Sure. So it's better to send a person to check it and, uh, and drive it or, you know. Um, and then I realized it was just a software uh, and an architectural problem. And now it costs, like connectivity cost of every sensor, everything we put out there is $10 per year. You mm. know, 10 to $20 per year. So it's massive. The per difference. sensor. Per sensor, uh-huh. right? And and it used to to cost me five k per month. Yeah. So I yeah. think I think it's a big change. All driven by software, really. Well, and of course, bringing the cost down just opens up so many more applications. So that's, that's it opens you know. the market. You know, it opens the market, and then you embed in their life through analytics, and you really help enterprises to scale. Cool stuff. All right. Well, let's get out of the the ether and get into uh, the fundraising. The practicality. <laughs> um, this stuff is so cool. But talk about raising money. So how much have you guys raised and over how many rounds? So raising money, you know, if you look at Fleet, of course, it's an infrastructure play. And uh, so raising money was needed. It's also a big vision. So we kind of knew that it was in the bullpark of VC, right? Yeah. Uh, has got a subscription model with an recurring revenue that is very liked and uh, by VCs and not really um, common in the world of space. Okay, so having a space startup and want to raise money in VC is a new thing. Like there are, I think, I think the Valley is, is, is really expert now, not all the firms. But, you know, we were in Australia. So if I had a penny for every person that told me, you know, you're not going to capital raise, I'll be rich. But I'm not yeah. yet. So we started with this idea, okay, we need to create a model that is very embedded in, in sales and, uh, you know, unrecurring revenue and so forth. Uh, and we really didn't know if that would have been even accepted by the VC world because in space, a lot of things are just really not uh, VC 
VC, a lot of hardware, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, a lot of commodities in a sense. So it's really hard to create a model that is all based on data. Uh, so when we founded Fleet, that was four years ago, I remember because I was pregnant with my second daughter. Mm-hmm. So I was eight months pregnant. I'm like, ah, oh, let's found Fleet. Um, the first things that we did is like, okay, we just need some money to um, work on licenses. You know, you need to deploy 100 satellites around the world. You want to make sure you, you follow the rules. So um, after probably four months, we raised up like 50K of angels, right? Well, like, okay, we spent it all on licensing and tests and customers and try to understand what customer wanted. And, um, and bear in mind, there are a lot of VC in Australia, but no one ever invested in any space startup at that point. Yeah. So we were like, mm-hmm. with the previous startup, we bootstrapped. So we kind of got on the radar of some of the firms uh, because, you know, we were already sure that we were launching stuff and, uh, you know, participating to missions and stuff like that. But we really didn't know how the VC worked. And, and the feedbacks were like, you'll never make it. So Matt and I we were just working and working and working. And probably after 10 months of that we raised, we got approached by, by Blackbird. That is um, one of the most, probably one of the most visionary VC in Australia. It's a big fund. Okay. Um, they invest in just the bravest, craziest. Eh? Uh, but I think that the year before they got really into Planet, it's a very similar company. There is a lot of money in the Valley. Found, uh, they got in contact with them because the founder was Australian. So they kind of get to know. So they were looking for something similar, right? Uh, so in August, uh, so after one year we found it, they, they wanted a pitch. And it was literally the very first pitch that we have ever done to a VC, hmm. right? Uh, so Matt and I is like, oh, oh wow, like what, what, what are we going to do? It was not probably the first, but let's say the third, okay? We, we were approached by another firm a month before that they offered us some money. And, uh, and we didn't really, were, I don't know, we didn't feel comfortable. I don't know. And we said no. And they said no, you didn't work out. But we went ahead and then Blackbird approached us. We went there for the pitch. And honestly, Matt in his life bootstrapped a company up to exit in 10 years, never raised a penny. Mm-hmm. I never raised a penny. We uh, was me, him, and the first employee building satellites in a garage, you know. So we were like, okay, now we are pitching to the biggest VC in the country. Like, wow! But we yeah. went there and we told our story, you know, what we have done in the past year with Fleet, in the past three years without a company, and we just told them what we were our plan and our vision. And they did three weeks of DD. I was getting married in September. So I was mm-hmm. like, wow, you know, it's like the, the year before I was having a baby now. So I was all over the place and they loved it. So we raised the 5 million with them and with another big VC with the, probably the biggest billionaire in Australia called Mike Cannon Brooks. He founded Atlassian. And um, what firm was that? Atlassian is a big software company. Oh, yeah, yeah. In, yeah. The, the founders, Mike Cannon Brooks, as okay. a VC fund. So, both of them was five million and we like bam we, we, we raised like from from like twenty-five K to, to five million in six months. And honestly, doesn't happen like this always, right? So we're just at the right time, at the right moment, 
and that's it with a big vision and uh, blackberry is an amazing team so we started this journey and after one year we launched four satellites uh and um interesting things though about those few years is that we had a plan for raising the next round of money yeah. uh, after the satellites were up but we had 10 months delays nine months delays on a spacex mission okay Mm-hmm. That is a long time when you got a, you know, one and a half years of runaway, you know, it's a long time. And this is the difference between having a software startup and a space startup that you are, the, you know, in the hands of <laughs> someone else. So SpaceX yeah. was delaying and delaying and delaying and uh, the satellites were never going up and we we're finishing the money. So that was September uh, last year. And, uh, and we were like, wow, like we are at the end of this. And, uh, and we said, okay, maybe we can have a bridge round to help us going. How can we demonstrate? Or, you know, how can we start connecting the satellites? What can we do? So it was, uh, was September 13th. And we knew we had to do something because waiting and waiting for SpaceX would have killed us, would have killed the business. So we, we, um, built other two satellites in um, two weeks mm-hmm. and launched them the week after. So in three to four weeks, we had two other satellites in space and the others were built one year before, you know what I mean? So, well, so how we did you launch those, those others if weren't you still waiting? We rocket lab. Okay. It was great. We changed rocket. So we built, we, we were in San Francisco uh, where we built the satellites. We literally put together all the spare parts. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And we built out two satellites. And after two weeks, we went to New Zealand. We launched a rocket lab. The satellites went up. And it was awesome. So the investors gave us more money. And that was literally a week before I had no money. Anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so those two months, and people don't really understand how that felt. Like waiting for nine months for a launch and then it goes up. And having to build two satellites with spare parts in four weeks, launching them with Rocket Lab and organizing everything. And, and I think the investor appreciated that. They saw that it was awesome. And they, kept, they gave us more, more money um, with the idea, okay, we then we closed on a bigger round after. In, in January, so this year, we, our January, February, all the satellites were up and we opened up for customers. And we were at this conference um, where there was most of my cons- conf- uh, customers in the audience. Mm-hmm. And we opened up, at least, listen, I said, you know, we opened up our, our booking for the satellites. And we really was hoping you not know, to book like 50,000 sensors or something, you know, to demonstrate some traction. Mm-hmm. And the, the presentation was so good, you know, with all the rockets going up and the satellites, you know, that were working around the world that we booked 4 million sensors in, a, in two days. Wow. That, that was pouring. It's like not even selling an iPhone, you mm-hmm. know? So in the audience, there was Momenta Ventures, that is the biggest IoT venture fund in the U.S. So they reached out to us. That was February, March. And, they, you know, we, we went to Seattle. We had um, uh, a coffee with um, Lee Carter, one of the partners. I just remember that day because we went there. There was so many delays. It was winter. It was snowy. 
I arrived there, we go for a coffee, and I was so hungry. Like, and I told Matt, I, I need to eat. And I remember eating this gigantic Nutella pancake, <laughs> like in front of this investor, you know, and I'm like, I just need to eat. And Lee was so nice, and we, we spoke, and, and he saw on there all our customers wanted and stuff. So he did a few months of due diligence, um, and he gave us a term. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, the interesting stuff, though, that I think is funny is that on the way to Seattle, okay, and this is probably the funniest war story, mm-hmm. <laughs> hopefully this year. So this was February, right? February, March. And we, we, we're going, we want to go to Seattle to meet Lee. And on the way to Seattle, um, we wanted to stop in Hong Kong, okay, um, to chat with some investors. Uh, there is a big investor in Hong Kong called Horizon Ventures that um, is a big, big investor, like investors in Spotify and uh, Siri and Impossible and, uh, you know, all the big ones uh, that I always loved. Uh, one of their representatives is in Adelaide. Uh, he, always been, he was always following Fleet since many years, but this is a big VC, right? So... Um, there was always for me the hope is backed by one of the biggest um, very rich men in Hong Kong called Lee Kashi. And the firm is amazing. It's just the, the things that they invest in is fantastic. So it was always in my dreams. And, and I remember I said, and Chris Liu, that is one of the partners in Adelaide, was following Fleet, tried to understand if we were actually enough, you know, to be introduced. But yeah. uh, we, I never really got there. And, but then I called Chris and said, hey, I'm going to Hong Kong. Do you have any investors I could talk to? Okay. And he said to me, the Rise Venture was looking to, he spoke with a lot of the IoT nanos that like competitors and he was looking to invest in a company. But he would have been happy to see the pitch deck and introduce me to other investors. On the way to Hong Kong, he loved the pitch deck. And he's like, oh no, I want you to meet with Rise Ventures. And I'm like, wow. Okay, so I'm like, Oh, oh God. Huh? Uh-huh. So we are there landing in Horizons and me and Matt are completely petrified because I mean, we have massive respect for this firm, right? Since, since always. Sure. <laughs> so, and, and I speak with my investors and I know that this, so this, this, um, the decision maker is, um, is, you know, Solina. She, she, she kind of lead this team and all my investors say, you know, are you going to meet Solina? And I'm like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure because she's she's a making, but she wasn't not in the meeting. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh, our chance is very low. So we get there and Ryzen probably will laugh if they hear this story, but we got there 10 minutes before. So we were going up and down in the elevators and just try to waste time, you know? Mm-hmm. And then uh, May and Matt, we get in the elevator and uh, Solina was there. And she's like, where are you going? And I'm like, going to Horizon Ventures. And she's like, uh, to do what? Like to pitch a space company. She's like, oh, wow. Like, yeah, I'm very into space companies. Very mind all these VCs are investing in space companies really now, you know, mm. these years. Yeah. And she's like, oh, good luck. But I think she, she was probably curious about it. So she came in and out of the meeting on, for two hours. So she got exposed to it. They, that's funny. They must, that's very funny. The most funny part, it was a very, very, interesting meeting in a small room a lot of people um and she was coming out and in and and then we got out and we took a plane to seattle okay when i got into seattle horizon venture called me but and chris you know these things that 
I, I didn't, I was very emotionally ready to talk with Momenta. And I know that investors call you if they're very polite to say no. And I thought they were calling me to say no. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I didn't pick up the match. Oh, <laughs> you didn't want to like psych yourself out or. I'm like, I need three days. I need to be psychologically ready to talk with Lee and tell him about our vision. So I'm going to come uh, Horizons when I come back. And um, so they, they keep calling me. I keep not answering <laughs> because I thought, oh, this is going to destroy me. Yeah. Uh, so we met with Lee. We, we do some due diligence with his team. They give us a terms. So I come back to, to Australia with a term. And, you know, I come back after you know, a few weeks with a term. And I'm like, oh, this is time. And this is after three weeks from Hong Kong, right? Um, I, I come back and we had other two, three chats in the valley. And then uh, Momenta gave us the term. So I come back to Australia with a term. So I'm happy. And, uh, and I'm like, let's call Horizons and tell them that, you know, that I've got a term. They're going to tell me no. And then they call me. They're like, hey, I'm, we've been trying to reach for three weeks i'm like i know you know and they're like we loved it and i'm like say what Uh i'm like oh my god like i felt so so weird and um and they say we want to invest more so at the end we were aiming to raise like six million but we closed at 11.3 and that's great that was that was nuts and it was may so he actually remember that he called me and said we want to invest more they had I think they had that week uh, was May. They had the Zoom IPO, mm-hmm. and it was a very good IPO. So everyone was very happy. So they say, you know, we can invest a little bit more, and I'll give you confirmation. I remember that week uh, I was driving back home um, with my daughter. My little one was falling asleep. It was night, and my and I was very tense because I was waiting for us venture to tell us if they were really investing in how much but there was the ipo of zoom party so chris didn't pick up the phone you know yeah <laughs> and i was driving i think i had a breakdown there and that was after three months of capital raising and i was in the car and karina she's seven she's six she was six at the time she's like mommy what is going on and i'm like the caviar is hard work and mommy started my runaway was finished in june mm-hmm. so i had uh 15 you know i owe my team on payroll and it was four weeks away from that. And I'm wow. like, I don't know if I have to fire people. I, I don't know what to do. I really don't know. And I think I cried in the car. And she said to me, mommy, uh, just send him a message. And I'm like, Man, no, I don't know, you know. And I sent him a message. And he replied and said, we're going to invest this amount that we are in. So I was hugging with my daughter. Over, over text message, day. was that? Yes. And I'm like, okay. he's like, sorry, we had the party, but we're investing this money. It's all good. I'll call you tomorrow. So I was, you know, arguing my daughter. She was like, mommy, don't worry. You fix, always manage to fix everything. Okay. So <laughs> that was funny, but the, the, it wasn't ended there because then Horizon Venture started doing the, their due diligence. And of course that took time mm-hmm. more than expected. So this is, and they are, they really take care of very due financial due diligence. They want to prepare the company for the future. Mm-hmm. So their due diligence actually lasted three months. So we closed the round in August. So it was a long time. Yeah. And, uh, and, and very hard negotiators. Okay. Yeah. So I was planning to have a holidays in June. So I planned four weeks in Italy with my daughters and I really wanted to go. So I thought, yeah, I've got a month. I will close the round. But the round kept going and the diligence kept going and I was finishing my money. 
And I also realized, oh my God, I'm going to finish my money at the end of the middle of June. I'm not going to pay payroll. And I promised since the very first day to every employee that I will always pay payroll, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was in Italy and it was amazing. And I had to negotiate all the terms, you know, from, from beautiful Italy, uh-huh. uh, but, you know, and, uh, you know, waking up every morning before the girls and negotiating for two and a half hours, you know, with Hong Kong. And, uh, and the good things is one of my investors gave me a safe note mm. of many millions. So I could negotiate more relaxed. <laughs> So you weren't going to run period. out of money, yeah. Yeah, I don't got a lot of money. I didn't. I was not, you know, negotiating without money. That is really hard work to negotiate things without money. It's not a strong position, you know. And that's it. Then we closed, and 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 in August, uh, so there was a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, you know, a lot going on. Is Horizons uh, a, are they Chinese or Taiwanese or I know it's all so, politically. Hong, this is a difficult question. This are they? Hong no, they're or? Hong Kong. Kong, so Lika okay. Xi is based on Kong. They they mainly invest in the Valley as a US entity and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was um, this year investing a lot in Australia. Mm, so yeah, yeah. They are an incredible fund. You you mentioned like they're tough negotiators. And, and I think again, this is kind of stereotypical, but you, you get that you hear that about Chinese investors in general. They're pretty like tough negotiators. Also, are, these are entrepreneurs, you know. Yeah. It's not a VC without, you know, in a P. R. So I, I love negotiating. I have to say, okay, is um, I think I think a company and the capital raise is all about negotiation skills, and and I, and I love that energy, you know, of, of fighting a lot of things and and stuff like that. I love that it's tough, but I love that and I tried my best. But there's a lot of moving parts, and uh, and uh, you know. Some things I will do differently going back. Um, taking care of, um, you know, like maybe more communication with my investors to make sure a lot to learn. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but once you are in the family, you are in. You're in. You know, this is, you're in, you're in for a long journey, you know. So fantastic team. What are some tips or advice or even just like nuances of investing with, um, I mean, I've invested or I've done deals with New York investors and California investors, but never uh, Asian investors. Any tips or differences that you can elaborate on that you would advise they, people? They really operate like American investors, just mm-hmm. that these people, uh, the, the difference is, so they invest very early and they support companies. I mean, they've done the same with Spotify, with Siri, with, with, with every of them. Mm-hmm. So they end very early and they bring them to IPO. So the first time they invest in you, their financial due diligence is it's, 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 it's intense. Yeah. They want to make sure that your company is prepared for success. So you have to be just more patient. It's not just happening in a month. And I have to admit, I'm sure they're going to appreciate that in the next round, you know, <laughs> because they make sure that they prepared your company in every single side of the company for, for success. So they ask you to do this, 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 then you're like, oh, but then you understand that they're maybe preparing you for, for future. Um, and is that, is, is that involve yeah. a lot of digging into, you know, your typical metrics, uh, not just that, beginning to everything, every contract you do to clients, every contract for your employees, uh, very, very intense due diligence. The good thing is that Momenta, 
from US did a very good due diligence on the because they were um, uh, they are expert in the topic. So the Horizon trusted their knowledge about the topic. They spoke with the customers, right? Mm-hmm. So that was done by Momenta really brilliantly. So they spoke with a lot of our customers and, and they spoke uh, they, with our technical team. So Horizons were more financial and, um, and generally speaking, companies' preparation for growth, you know, from employment contract to licensing and, and all those things. We had a lot of things in place, luckily. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they just want to dig into everything. Okay. Good stuff. What would you do? What are some things you'd do differently? Um, you know, if you were going to do this all over again or advice to your younger self is the way I, there is a, there is a thing that I've done that I didn't Mm -hmm. share with you, um, on all these stories that I think was very instrumental to to close this round. The year before, Matty and I spent a lot of time. In, so this is even before wanting to um, capital raise, or so probably just after we capital raised the first round. We spent two trips in the valley and speaking with everyone. Like we probably had 30 chats, okay? And, uh, and we sat down with them, asking them what they liked, not for capital raise, but what they like and didn't like about fleet. Mm-hmm. okay how to say like what what are the things that were worrying them blah, 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 blah. all that information that we gathered them and and it was it was gold so yeah. we kind of build the and, and not a lot of people do that um something you know something like hey would you invest if we do this or would you invest if we do that so people get exposed to what you do they follow you it was pretty energy consuming, I have to say, because as you know, every investor has got his point of view. But it, you, then you summarize all the feedback and you say, okay, if we maybe do these things, we'd solve a lot of the investors' worries. And if we maybe do these things, we'll go faster to revenue, you know? Mm-hmm. Because investors are amazing when they give you feedback. They always, most of the time, they're right. You know, they see many things. So that exercise, I think it was gold. <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because we raised with Momenta and we raised with Horizon Ventures, um, not having to speak with hundred people, you know what I mean? Yeah, we yeah. were just a little bit more more ready. So, kind of that 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 feedback up front helped us. Of course, there were delays and there were things that we didn't know right. Uh, one thing that I've learned that is really really important, uh, particularly if the negotiation takes so long to involve your current investors in the negotiation mm-hmm. because sometimes that could accelerate and make things faster. Uh, we involved them a little bit too late in the conversation so they could not help us. Um, yeah. uh, so a lot of things that I have to learn. Generally speaking, I'm just very happy yeah, <laughs> you know, sure. that we manage because we are a space startup. It's hard work to demonstrate value so fast as a software startup, right? And you need people in for a long journey. Um, yeah. So I would surely still do all that understanding before of what people expect you, what are the milestones that people expect you to meet. I will surely involve my current investors, my previous investors a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Yeah. 
may have, but you know, I, I can say that I, I would have liked to start the capital race before, but at the end of the day, the satellites were, were having delays on the rockets, so that's hard to control. So now, for example, I have changed my rocket strategy so to avoid to do that. You know, and, so you're not uh, dependent on on that, from, yeah, or yeah. one. Um, capital race is hard work. So for six, seven months, it completely gets you out of the business. That's the yeah. thing. You know, that the business just freeze for six months. <laughs> and, and I'm going to guess, but I mean, I'm thinking of your type of business. It's going to take a lot of capital, right, to get all these satellites and keep sending new ones up there. I mean, how do you think about future capital strategy have you so that, it needs a lot of capital luckily iot so iot in communication means that people don't need real time so when you have under satellites you got real time so you don't need real time there are a lot of applications that are not real time related so you can start making revenue uh with one satellite two satellites three satellites ten satellites and so forth and and, and keep growing okay so um on the other hand though it's a capital intensive business so you need to keep goals in your infrastructure to show that why you need to build the infrastructure you know i yeah. need other 20 satellites because i've got these people waiting for them <laughs> and you know they signed the contract they're ready to do it so i need to do that or i need other 10 satellites to be this piece of technology so it's um it's an infrastructure journey and a big vision, um, so you need to raise a lot of money. So you also need to make sure that you have people like the one I have on board with big and deep pocket, pockets, right? Yeah. So it's not straightforward. And you need also to create so much value in two years to raise more money in a much bigger valuation, right? So because, of course, if you have to raise 100 million in two, three, four rounds, you need to show enormous progresses in sure. terms of revenue, in terms of tech, like gigantic progresses. So that's hard work, but it's fun. Really interesting stuff. Do you think you'll, your future rounds will be here in, the, in Silicon Valley or global or Asia or do you have any like crystal ball? I, into that? Yeah. yeah, crystal ball, we probably will have most of our investors coming. And, but I, I really hope to bring uh, you know, another American investors. The cultures are different, you know, and, and they all help. You know, the way they operate globally in Australia and U.S., very different. And, and I love that, that, that diversity. We need another big VC uh, next round that hopefully we follow our vision. Listen, capital raise, and, and again, there are a few startup capital raising in space. It's, um, you, you do have post-traumatic stress disorder for a couple of months. <laughs> you know, you right. really do, do have it. Like, it's uh, the moment that the, 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 the money hits the bank, you will really feel like you're going to faint. It's emotional. It's not <laughs> a lot of work. It's emotion. So you got your team, you got your dreams that you just want to go faster. Uh, you want everything, you know, to just go as fast as you can. But, you know, at the end of the day, it always takes a little bit of time. You try to do your best, do it fast. Uh, team, team is, you know, waiting. And, you know, <laughs> it's emotion. It's a lot of emotions. Uh, it gets better, you know, once you do it um, over and over again. Uh, it, yeah. it, it's, it's the best money in the world. It, it's, it's a honor, you know, to get them. doesn't happen to a lot of people. So it happens to a few people. So you, you feel lucky, you yeah. know. 
but I've cried many nights. Let me tell you, <laughs> I cried endless nights just for the stress. Sure, <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, but everyone has been there, so everyone that a caviar race knows. But it gets better. It gets better. You understand that is. Uh, you understand how you have to involve the investors in in the journey before capital raise. Uh, how open you have to be, how structured you have to be, um, to yeah. get better in time. So it's not as bad as the first time. Uh, this, so. Fabio, this is really good. This is interesting. I love some of these war stories, almost running out of money, riding the elevators for 10 minutes before the big horizons meeting. I, I love that story. Um, if people want to learn more, it's fleet.space, correct? Is that the? Yeah, yeah fleet.space and anything you want to plug or call out or or just have people check out your site anything you're yeah uh, go on, on our site uh, go uh, reach out on the website if you need anything but also reach out to me uh i think the best uh, the only thing i want to say is that i have gone through capital raising work the, the best people that can give you advice are the co-founders and not people that co-founded 10 years ago but the people that raised 10 years ago but people that raised these times these years yeah. i would have not done it with with the with you know some fun night in the valley with people that raise a lot of money drinking and eating and just brainstorming about how to do it, it they are the best people to teach you how to do it. not advisors not people that hasn't done it just talk with your co-founders friends <laughs> they yeah. are amazing okay so if people want to reach out for some advices i'm here Awesome. Well, thank you very much. This is great. Exciting stuff. Really cool. Science fiction, you know, meets, uh, <laughs> meets reality. Meets, so. meets the reality. Exactly. You know, good stuff. All right. Um, well, thank you very much. We'll keep an eye on, on fleet.space and, and catch you after your next round. Thanks. Thanks. Ciao Bye. everyone. Bye.